your weekend is not complete without the First Lady of New York Radio. It's the Joan Hamburg Show, Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome to the Joan Hamburg Show. It's a Sunday, and you know every Sunday starting at 2 o'clock, we're here, and you join us, which makes us very happy. And we're also on Facebook, on Instagram. We're there. And we've got two podcasts. We podcast the show. And let me tell you, always have a great guest on our podcast. In fact, this particular week, Melissa Rivers, Joan Rivers' daughter, who's very funny too. Melissa is going to come on talking about her mom, her life, her new book. So you're going to enjoy that. And we've got a great show for you. My cousin, movie director Doug Lyman, is in the Ukraine, and we're tracking him down. So we're going to hear from Doug. We've just got all kinds of things, and you're, I know you're going to enjoy, enjoy listening. We're going to talk to Peter Greenberg about travel. If you're feeling restless and you want to go, what's the story? Are there any bargains out there? What a COVID. How do we negotiate this? What is the mass mandate? We're all confused. What does any of it mean? And by the way, New York is coming back to life. I went to see Funny Girl and it's opening tonight. So I'm going to tell you right after it opens whether I think you should go see it or not. But it's sort of nice. Remember Funny Girl? It started with Barbara Streisand. So we'll talk about that, not today, but you and I in the very near future, because there's so many things going on in the city that it's time to take advantage of almost all of it. The museums are waiting for you, the theater, new plays open all the time, and a lot of them are doing great. Theater is busy. You know, my cousins who moved to the city were saying they try to get tickets for Moulin Rouge for um, it was actually right three o'clock today, the matinee, and they were totally sold out, which makes me very happy. Anyway, guys, I'm very happy you're with me. Don't go anywhere because you're going to be very entertained for the next hour. Stay tuned. I'm Joan Hamburg, and you're listening to WAVC. The First Lady of New York Radio. This is Joan Eats. When I read in the Times, in the Florence Fabricant column, one of her columns about a pot pie business owned by Sasha Milstein, it's called Ann Ethel's Pot Pies. I love pot pies, and I knew that I had to try it, and I knew that I knew this woman's auntie, Alicia Ethel Reinish of the catered word, a wonderful caterer. And I had known all about her pot pies over the years. In fact, this particular caterer has been serving pot pies for over 30 years. I knew they'd be good. So I called Sarah and I ordered the classic roasted chicken pot pie, which is so delicious, I'll tell you about that. Coco vin and a cumin lentil chili. Truly delicious. My daughter and I share them, although they're really individual portions. They're, they just about make 12 ounces with filling. And here's why they're so good. You look at the ingredients of the roasted chicken pot pie, and it's made with chunks of organic chicken breast. Roasted with skin and bone for flavor. All these veggies, hand cut, carrots, peppers, corn, peas, leeks, and the original gravy. And the pie is accompanied by an all-butter puff pastry crust from the best, one of the best pastry crusts you can get. They're fast, they're easy to make, they don't get soggy because the top crust and the filling cook separately. Easy. The crust goes into the toaster oven or a hot oven for a minute. The filling goes in the microwave for five minutes. You put it back on and there it is, sold in the retail 
or many retailers in the New York metro area, go to the website, anethels.com. And at the bottom of the page, where to buy. And check back all the things often because they're adding new shops all the time. The retail for the chicken pot pies between $7.99 and $9.99, local stores. Here we found it at Westside Markets, Grace's Marketplace. Very easy to get online, antethels.com. Online, they're $12 each. Free shipping on orders over $99. But I promise you, you are really going to love them and love the way they taste. Who can resist a pot pie? Get all three. Individual, they'll stay in your freezer, and you're in for a real treat. Enjoy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. All right, everyone. Welcome to the Joan Hamburg Show. And um, movie director, movie maker, Douglas Lyman, one of our cousins, happens to be in the Ukraine. And we tracked Doug down on a highway where, Doug, you're on your way to where now? I'm, I'm actually walking down the highway. I'm, I'm, I'm actually headed out of Ukraine, but I'm, I'm walking down the highway. I'm, I'm not in a car. And you've been there for about five days or so. And the newspapers, a longer, yeah. yeah, the papers are full of one story. You know how brave everyone is. Uh, the president saying that if he had more stuff from NATO and the like, they would have won already. Do you sense among the soldiers that you've been with a feeling of optimism, a feeling of hope, a feeling they can do it? I mean, the Ukrainian people, the spirit here is infectious. It, it, it's, uh, I mean, so I, I don't know how Russia thinks they could dominate these people. It, 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 they're the most incredible people and everybody I've met here. I mean, it is, you, you can't like you, you, I don't know what the expression is, but everyone I've met here is, is, has inspired me with, with their resilience, their attitude, their sense of humor. I mean, I met a man who on his nest camera saw that the Russians, he, he had some money, so he had fled. He saw that the Russians had had moved into his house, you know, on his like nest security cameras, yeah. and he called the Ukraine military and gave them his address and said, "Bomb my house," mm. and took out a whole Russian leadership and all their vehicles and his house. By the way, the guy doesn't have a house anymore, but like mm. that's the spirit of the Ukrainian people. Unreal and. They're not afraid, or do you see that? Even the soldiers? Not afraid. I mean, one of the, uh, you know, because I'm traveling with soldiers here, and they, you know, like the, we were driving uh, to a location yesterday, and we're driving past a blown-up bridge in Irpine, and he points out to us that he... He blew up that bridge. That was his town. Mm. His house got destroyed. And when the Russians came into the town, he was part of a group that blew up the bridge to trap the Russians in his town, and then they killed them all. Mm. So the, the spirit here, the fighting spirit, um, is, is extraordinary. And does everyone want to... guns. You know, like it... it but, you know, you, you see how... 
why it wasn't as easy as Russia thought it was going to be, because I, I just don't think they expected this kind of, of, of energy and pride. I mean, I, I just drove past a crowd of thousands of people waiting in line, and I figured it, it, this is as I was leaving Kiev, but, like, they're looking for food because, you know, nothing's open and it's, there's no heat. Or, um, it's pretty tough. And you know what they're waiting in line for? To buy what? Russia Go F Yourself stamps, you know, um, the post office here put out memorial, you know, tribute stamps, you know, from those soldiers who took on the battleship, the Russian battleship, and, and radioed them, Russia, go F yourself. Mm. They put out a Ukrainian stamp that said that. And these thousands of people are waiting in line to get a stamp. They, you know, I think they've sold out now. And just all this... Despite the fact that one town after another has been razed to the ground and you still hear shelling, right, and bombing and whatever's going on. Yeah, no, it, uh, it is. It, it, you know, they, the, the, the Russians are still firing rockets indiscriminately into Kiev, into, uh, um, you know, just it's, it, it's really war crimes. I mean, I... I I came here sort of spontaneously, and, and it was, uh, you know, Passover was coming up, and I was offered the opportunity to fly here. And I thought, you know, instead of sitting at home and talking about people fighting for their freedom, I, I, I want to go see go it. See it. Uh, and uh, it has been so moving um, to see people, you know, what the the spirit with which they're fighting to protect their country and their democracy against, you know, this, this, against Putin and and his his dictatorship. Um, It's, you know, and, and, you know, maybe because I'm Jewish to sort of see, see a group that, you know, might stand a chance to stand up against such overwhelming odds. uh, Yeah. You know, and it is, uh, and the, you know, the Russians are, are, are just, you know, they're like the opposite from what I've seen. They are meaning uh, what? Like, I uh, I just went this morning, and and uh, man, by the way, I'm here filming, and I'm going to put this stuff on my Instagram, and I'm going to come up mm-hmm. with other ways to put this all out. And I've met Ukrainian filmmakers who are going to continue the filming, and I left all my camera gear with them. Uh, is uh. Um, I met. I went out to this uh, field. I can't say where it is to protect people's safety. And um, they convinced some Russian soldiers who uh, were stationed there in their tank, and who, by the way, had had you know basically given no food. So they were in the town foraging for food, and 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 to be honest, alcohol. And the, you're talking they, about uh, the Russians. Someone in the now. town. The Russians, these Russian soldiers, and they're mixing in the town. It, it sounds like a, we're talking about like a World War II movie, but it, it's like now. And um, this woman in the town befriended uh, these, uh, these, these three young Russian men who were, you know, the commanded this tank um, that was stationed in the town. And she got in touch with a, a nonprofit called Bancroft that works in sort of war zones and, you know, some, through a bunch of intermediaries, they got put in touch with each other. And uh, Mike Scott, who runs it, authorized, you know, sending her money to buy the tank off these Russian soldiers to mm-hmm. just walk away from it and, and, and tell the Russians that, uh, that, you know, something went wrong with the tank. And uh, they, they bought the Russian tank off these two soldiers and that tank. You know, they turned it over to uh, to the Ukrainian military, and that tank is now being used. You know, it's a two million dollar Russian tank, and and it it just took a few thousand dollars to get the Russian soldiers to sell it to them. And Doug, do you find I'm talking to Doug Lyman, a filmmaker, director, and he happens to be in the Ukraine filming, and I'm just. Curious, are people open and ready to tell you stories? Do they want to talk about stories? They do want to talk. 
they 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 have a lot of pent up emotions as you could imagine and they they want the world to see what's what's happening here because these are war crimes this this is this is world war 2 these are these are war crimes what 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 russia is doing here and do the russia you just talked about the russian soldiers who sold their tank to this woman are and in the ukraine the russians were like their brothers and cousins and relatives and is there rage or do you find a lot of the russian soldiers according to the ukraine soldiers are sympathetic and don't even know why they're there or no i mean obviously it didn't take much to get these three russian soldiers to just walk away from their tank uh and uh so, you know, and, and, and by the way, they're not being very well equipped. I mean, they're the, the, the Russian soldiers who were, were so, I mean, they, they don't even look like soldiers. I mean, I, I've, I've toured, uh, you know, the places where the Russians have occupied. You know, I'm obviously not going where the Russians currently are. And, you know, it doesn't look like what uh, it looks like when soldiers are, uh, you know, occupy a space. Um, it, it looks like, you know, what my you know college dorm room looked like you know not good a thousand times worse these are not like professional soldiers well there are there are right i I was going to say and then by the way they're looting i mean it's the they're they're looting you know they they come into a town the russians you know i I, there's dead russians all over the place here and, and Ukrainians are very happy to point out, you know, you know, if you if you walk by and miss seeing a dead Russian, um, mm. and you'll see, like, you know, I saw a dead Russian uh, two days ago, you know, and you know he was clutching onto uh, like one of those packs of colored pens, like right. two dozen colored pens, like he clearly, you know, stolen it from the neighborhood that they were occupying. Like this war isn't happening out in like fields. It's, it's it's happening it's right in neighborhoods, there. and these are like, you know, and these soldiers are so young. It's not like, oh, he's taking the pens for his kids. He was probably taking them for himself. Aye. And, and you well, know, his parents will never know what happened to him. Well, you're not a soldier or a politician, so, you you know, I'm not going to put you I'm an artist. on this, but you're an artist. and. A, do you think just observing and talking to people, as many as you can in that area, that the Ukrainians with this spirit have a chance at an enemy that is huge and powerful? I mean, I think the world has to stand up to help them because Russia is, they, they will never surrender. I mean, look what's happening in Mariupol. They, they will just never surrender. Uh, and so Russia is just going to keep slaughtering them and they will keep fighting. And, and the only solution here is, is for the world to, to step in and, and, and stop this atrocity before another person dies. If they can, and where are you, where are you off to now? Are you going to Poland or? I'm, I'm, I'm now, you know, I wasn't talking while I was here, especially because I went, um, I actually went to the front. Um, and so for, for the safety of me and everybody in my party, Good. you know, I didn't tell anybody I was, I was here, except obviously your family, you knew. And, and uh, but now I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get to the border. But as I said, I'm, I'm on a highway walking. So at this mm. point, so uh, it, it's unclear exactly uh when and how I will get out of here, but I, I am on my way uh, out. And Trying. It, was, it was very, uh, you know, the air raid sirens were ringing in Kiev as, as we were at that point driving. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's sad to, to be leaving here knowing how many people, you know, I'm leaving behind. 40 million people. I, it's just awful. And, of course... In your case, too, beside what you're witnessing, you have your family, many of them, go way back, the ancestors, 
go back to Poland. So you, you have to have other feelings, too, beside what you're seeing. Your own family making its you way know, to our, freedom. Yeah, no, my uh, sister-in-law, or maybe, I actually, I don't know who on our family team was pointing out that, you know, our, our family fled Poland. Right. And, and who would think that all these years later, here I am trying to get to Poland for safety. Right. Which is an interesting analogy. Be safe, Douglas. We'll talk to you again when you come Thank back you. to the States. Thank you for joining okay. us. Take Love care. You. Okay. You'll view. Bye-bye. I'm Joan Hamburg, Doug Lyman, straight from the Ukraine. Stay tuned for more. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. All right, everyone. Welcome to the Joan Hamburg Show. And I haven't talked to Peter Greenberg, travel editor for CVS News and um, the world's travel detective. I haven't talked to Peter in a long time, but I thought we've got to check back in. People are crowding into airports. They're going to the trains. They want to get out and start going again. Should we? Where to? What about all the mask mandates? So let's talk to a man who knows it all. Peter. Welcome. I haven't talked to you in ages. I know. Nice to get back in touch with you, Joe. Yeah, so tell me, everyone is talking about the mass mandate. You know, I mean, reporters are crowding into airports asking people, and everyone is confused. As someone who's on the road all the time or in the air, what is your opinion about that? Well, if you look at the judge's opinion, which came out on Monday, it basically ruled that the CDC's mandate which was, not, you know, was set to expire what May 3rd, applied all to planes, trains, buses, and subways. She, made it a, she called it illegal for all of that. That's where the confusion comes in. Because if you follow the science, uh, the air circulation systems, or I should say recirculation systems on airplanes, are quite advanced. They're quite sophisticated. And I like them. You know, they bring in cold air at about minus 60 degrees into the plane heated by the engines. Mm-hmm. Then that air comes in on those nozzles above your head. But the good news is it's all purged out every three minutes and new air is brought in. I don't have that kind of system in my house, your radio studio, or anywhere. It's great. So in that situation, as long as the vaccination levels are up, it's a, I think you, know, you can optionally wear or not wear a mask. But her order applied also to trains, buses, and subways. That's where we have a confusion because the science is not there. The science doesn't support that. And uh, so the, the rule is I came back from New York to Los Angeles two nights ago. I brought my mask, but I didn't have to wear it. Although 70 percent of the plane, even in the wake of the judge's ruling, was masked. Yeah. So that's an interesting story. But if I'm going on a bus, a train or a subway today, I'm, I'm wearing my mask. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm wearing it. And even though I know about the plane filter system and you were very reassuring I still feel there are kids and other people on planes who cannot be vaccinated yet. So my thing is, go for it, as unpleasant as it is at the moment. So are we seeing an uptick in travel? We are. The demand is increasing almost exponentially. And there's a sort of inverse relationship here, Joan, because as the demand is growing, the capacity is dropping because the airlines and the hotels and the other infrastructure can't support it. They don't have the staff. And as a result, we're seeing massive crowds, longer lines, and I'm afraid to say much higher airfares. Not mm. exactly where we should be. And this is even before we get to summer. Yikes. Um, wow. So, yeah. So, look, the airfares are going up almost four times over the last three weeks. Uh, and that's because the airlines realize they have to keep everything at about a 60% capacity, hotels as well. They can't, they don't have the staff. They literally don't have the staff. So why did all these people who work for the airlines, why did they all leave? I mean, that seemed to be good jobs. Well, yeah, but here's what happened. The airlines were given the federal aid on one condition, that they had to keep everybody on payroll. They had to keep everybody on payroll. And they couldn't lay anybody off. They couldn't fire anybody. And they didn't. Here's what they did do, though. They went to the uh, uh, to the employees and offered them very attractive buyout or early departure packages because they wanted to reduce the staff and keep a lot of the payroll for themselves. 
And they were surprised by how many people said, okay, I'll do it. And they did it. And once they did it, the airlines didn't do a very good job of ramping back up when travel started coming back up last July. Not this year. Last year it happened. So they already had meltdowns last year. And uh, and now we're having them again. I, you know, and I heard earlier today on the news that the hotel industry is way off and it doesn't seem likely that it's going to come back at anywhere near capacity. Well, you know what? It can't come back near capacity because they don't have the staff to service the guests. So what hotels are doing is they're intentionally keeping occupancy at about 60%. Now they're filling those rooms and the rates are just as where they were back in 2019, but they can't go anywhere above that because they literally don't have enough housekeepers. They don't have enough, uh, they don't have enough bellboys. They don't have enough anybody. And uh, this is industry wide. Right. So people ask me and I'm asking you, who's the expert, if you are planning on a trip or you want to go somewhere, do we yeah. still deal with COVID? Do we say check the COVID rates? How do you do this? Very simply, your airline will know what the restrictions are. We're seeing more and more countries ending those restrictions in terms of testing prior to going, as long as you've been vaccinated and show proof of it. The one remaining rule that's out there is the rule that says if you're coming back to the United States, you literally have to take that COVID test within 24 hours before they'll let you come back home. Now, that may go away, too, since so many countries have eliminated that for us going there. But for the moment, that's the last remaining, I won't call it hurdle, but it's the last, oh, that's the last remaining protocol we have, to, we have to comply with. I'm talking to Peter Greenberg. And Peter, who's our travel detective, do you feel safe generally getting up and going, or do you worry? Well, you know what? I do. You know what? It's not about the number of cases. It's not, it's not about the number of deaths. It's about the number of vaccination levels and the number of hospitalization levels. And if you take a look at those two levels right now, vaccination numbers are going up and hospitalization numbers are coming down. And that's a good sign. Okay. Now tell me about your new PBS special. Ah, it's premiering uh, this week on PBS stations around the country. You can also find it on Amazon Prime and Apple TV+. Plus. It's part of my series, Joan, that we've been doing for over 22 years called The Royal Tour. It has nothing to do with monarchy. It's sort of like, you know, I'm giving you a royal tour of Brooklyn. But what it is, imagine I go to an individual head of state, a king, a president, or a prime minister, and I get from them the impossible. They give me eight days of their schedule devoted only to me. And then for the next eight days, that sitting head of state is my personal tour guide to and through the country. We see it through their eyes. Imagine two people on a road trip. One of them happens to run the country. Not bad. Was that a really hard get? I can't imagine. It's hard enough to get guests. And all of a sudden, you're going to the heads of state and they're giving you more than a week. Yes. It's, it, look, it's never easy. But once it happens, it works. We've done it over 22 years with everybody from the King of Jordan to the Prime Minister of New Zealand, the President of Mexico. We did it with Netanyahu in Israel. We did it with the Prime Minister of Poland, uh, the Presidents of Peru and Ecuador, the Prime Minister of Poland. And now it's with the President of Tanzania, an amazing woman who's the only woman of color and a Muslim to ever run a country. And her country is 60 million people. So it's a remarkable story of, of how she got the job and a remarkable story of what she's doing with the job. And she was my tour guide. Ah, well, it sounds great to me. Are there any, because I'm asking this now for the listeners who always ask, are there any travel bargains out there that are worth looking at? You know what? Right now, they are few and far between in, in this country because so many people are traveling domestically. However, if you take a look, there are, there are 196 countries out there of which you can probably go to about 180 of them safely. And if you plan ahead, especially if you have some extra frequent flyer miles running around, that's the time to redeem them. Don't just go for the airfare now. Remember, the best time to redeem a frequent flyer mile is not when the airfare is $59. It's when the airfare is $5,900. And we're seeing those airfares rise for all sorts of reasons, not the least of which are rising fuel prices, inflation, and, of course, the situation in Ukraine. But if you plan properly, now's the time to go. And you can think 330 days out in terms of redeeming your miles. Right, which sounds really good. And what about perennial favorites like Paris and London, which have had elevated COVID rates? 
Is this a time to go to those countries? Once again, I don't go by the by the number of cases there or the number of elevated rates. I go by the vaccination level of the person who's going, otherwise known as me. And I go by my own common sense on how I'm going to play by the rule and follow the science. So I've been traveling since July of 20. Um, I've done it responsibly. Wow. And, of course, and that was before the vaccine was even available. Now, the mm-hmm. other thing I will tell everybody is if you haven't had your vaccine outside of 270 days, you're okay. Meaning, if your last shot was more than 270 days ago, which is possible, that's, that's, uh, you know, that's nine months, then you probably won't be allowed to get into the, you won't be able to get into these countries. So make sure you get your booster. If you're qualified for a second booster, get it. But as long as you've gotten your last shot within 270 days, then you're free to go. It sounds good to me. And it sounds like you're having a lot of wonderful adventures, Peter. I'm doing the best I can, Joan. (laughs) (laughs) It's good. All right. Take care of yourself. We'll be following you. Thank you so much. The travel detective, Peter Greenberg, travel editor for CBS. He's great to listen to. Stay tuned. Taking you behind the curtain. It's the Joan Hamburg Show. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome, everyone, to the Joan Hamburg Show. And I had Candace Bushnell on a while ago because um, she was doing her show and it was a departure a lot of people thought they know candace bushnell as a writer as someone who is new york and who's had an unbelievable journey growing up in connecticut wrote a kid's book comes to new york at age 19 and next thing you know she's hanging out at studio 54 and along this journey comes sex in the city lipstick jungle and she is everywhere. She's a true Renaissance woman. And now, dear Candace is making her cabaret debut at one of the great cabaret rooms in the country at the Cafe Carlisle. And there's only going to be five special performances at the Carlisle from May 10th to the 14th. So welcome, Candace. And tell me, how did all this come about? Well, first of all, uh, thanks for having me on again. <laughs> Always wonderful to hear yes. your voice. Um, and I am so excited about doing this, doing these shows at the Carlisle. Um, it actually came about because I was doing, a, I wrote a one-woman show and then starred in it. And it was at the Daryl Roth Theater. Right. And... I think we did 50 performances and then COVID came. So we had to close. And then this opportunity came up at the Carlisle to do the show at the Carlisle. And it's really, I I don't actually sing. Uh, So it's really my one woman show is there's still sex in the city that I've shortened it by 15 minutes so that it fits into the 75 minute format right window uh-huh and and i will be performing it on the little stage at the carlisle so it's it's the first time they've done something that is is really like a play or a you know one woman show right without the it's, piano it's singing so i'm really excited to do it and it's such an intimate space. And, you know, the show is very New York. You know, it's, it should be the experience of really coming to my living room and now that, hearing stories that's amazing. about New York. And, of course, the Carlisle itself is part of it. And, you know, it's my stage show, Is There Still Sex in the City? And I answer that question. (laughs) I I know, but are you yourself surprised by this version of Candace that you're a real performer? I mean, it's one thing to be out there and to be the voice of Sex and the City and, and to be Miss New York and have a zillion people look at you 
people look forward to you. I remember my kids early on, my daughter would say, don't make any plans for blank, blank night. I've got to watch this Candace Bushnell thing. And I still remember the days of your column in the New York Observer when out of nowhere, right? Out of nowhere, you started writing this. And next thing you know, a household word. (laughs) Well, it's definitely a little bit different. Um, You know, in a sense, I'm playing myself. Um, And... I have to say I work out a lot more and I have voice exercises that I do. So it's, it's really, you know, it's really tapping into a different side of my personality. I think it's a part of my personality that I've always had, but I always suppressed it. And, you know, now that I'm in my early sixties, which is, one of the themes of this show is there's still sex in the city. It's about, you know, getting older, getting wiser, um, you know, still celebrating life and, and still doing things that are different and new. And so in a sense, you know, doing this is, it's kind of, maybe part of the theme of my life right now, which is to be courageous and do new things because if not now, when? Well, I think even beside the fact that, you know, one is a certain age, the pandemic has rubbed it in really. You're right. If not now, when? And that's been a lesson too, that we've got to really seize it and make it happen, which you've always done. I'm talking to Candace Bushnell, whom Candace, a performer, a journalist, a writer, a television producer. And I first met Candace, I can't even remember, it was in the 90s when she was writing her column for the New York Observer. And that later became Sex and the City. And it became HBO's Sex and the City and movies and even the new television sex series was picked up again. Now, I don't remember what you told me. Were you part of that in terms of the new picking it up? No. I mean, it's, it's really a spinoff series. It has uh-huh. you know, some of the same characters. It has some new characters. It has different writers. It's, it's a different show. But they, right. it's, but you know, it has some of my DNA and some of the DNA of, of the original Sex in the City in it. But they very kindly give me a credit, which is very which nice. Sh- yeah, but they should. They should, I know. Right, without you, there'd be nothing. So no sex, no city. So I'm right. glad they gave you a credit. I hope they give you money too. Uh, anyway. Maybe a little. But, uh, but, you you know, I'm always working on my own stuff and, and, you know, I'm always working on an idea for a a TV series as well. A TV version of, is there still sex in the city, which is something that I've worked on probably for the last at least two or three years. Yeah, but it's your new version of the Golden Girls. And 60, right, is like the new, whatever, 30, 40. It's a whole different world. It it is. It is a different world. You know, people are living longer and they're living healthier lives. And, you know, I've got all kinds of theories about society and how we live and dating. I mean, you wouldn't believe some of the dating stories. I Well, tell us, what about dating? Do you date or do you just meet people on your journeys? I, I mostly just meet people on my journeys. That, that's mostly what I do. Although I think in one week I had a 91-year-old man was interested oh, no. And a 21-year-old. 
So what did you pick? I didn't pick either one of them. <laughs> I, I actually went home and thought, why is the universe doing this to me? You know, wildly inappropriate. You need material to write. That's why the I universe need, said, take this. Yes, exactly. I need material. And that's plenty so, of material. You know, I mean, I just want a you know, sensible, nice person. Do you think that you want to get married again or you're happy being Candace and living your independent life? You know, I, I'm happy with both. I, you know, I'm, that's one of the things that I think as women, we have to figure out, we have to figure out, you know, being okay, being alone and and being okay being in a relationship because chances are we're going to you know we're going to do both um right. you know, there are times when we're going to be single and then there are times when we could be in a relationship and if the right relationship came along i definitely be into it you know i mean i was married for 10 years and it was fun, largely right. until it until it wasn't anymore. <laughs> until it wasn't, but you know, I could have just been skipping along, saying, "Hey, this is great," and I guess my husband wasn't skipping along with me. But <laughs> and he you know, should have been because he was and a he dancer. Have been. <laughs> exactly. But I'm curious. I'm talking to Candace Bushnell, who's got ten lives, not nine, ten. And all doing great. Do you now, as you said, a 60-year-old woman, do you feel lonely? Did the pandemic leave you with that feeling of I'm alone and I've got to forge a new way or just life? You know, it's interesting because, you know, working from home and spending a lot of time alone is something that I've always done as a writer. You know, I mean, I've just, I have had to be, you know, spend time alone. And really for the first, I would say for the, you know, for the first year of the pandemic, I was really fine Mm -hmm. because it wasn't, didn't feel that different for me. It was like kind of scary, but you know, then I think it really began, you know, be, really began to, you know, I think it began to wear on all of us. And one of the things that I have noticed is that if I go out and spend time with people, when I wake up the next morning, I actually, I really can see a difference in my mood. So I, I feel like I've been, you know, affected the way everyone's been affected. But, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of it is, you know, I see friends a lot, but I think a lot of it was what they called that the secondary interactions, you know, when you just go into a store and you say hello to that person. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there was, you know, definitely a while when I was really feeling the effects, I would right. say, but. And we had to learn how to talk again. And the worst thing is clothes. Who wore shoes? Who wore clothes? We wore these. Well, you probably didn't because you always had this look, this fabulous thing. But I'm telling you, my sweats were standing up alone because I wore them every day. I never thought, what am I going to wear? There they were like, hello again. And we didn't go anywhere, so it was okay. Exactly. Well, I mean, this is actually one of the things that's great about doing this show at the Carlisle is I'm I'm dressing up, and Mm -hmm. I encourage the audience to dress up and you know have a great night out because this, I mean, this the Cafe Carlisle is such a great iconic room, and you know I just think going there is it's always so memorable 
Um, but I am going to, for each of the five performances, I'm going to try to wear a different designer. And I'm really going to try like to wear that. something fabulous, like a really fabulous party dress. That's my goal. I like goal. that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, well, this, that's a goal just, you, you know, can do. I... <laughs> you know, coming back and dressing up in New York and all of that. I think people are kind of longing to do that a bit. No, without question, and celebrating life. And you're saying it doesn't matter if you're 30, 40, 50, 60, you're breathing, you're alive, you've got a life, go for it. And exactly. you'll hear it all, right? Candace is going to be at the Carlisle. It's a, it's a best cabaret room. I love that room. And as she pointed out, you can touch practically the performers. So you get a relationship with them. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, it really, I mean, my goal when I first was doing this show was that I really wanted it to feel like the audience was coming to my living room and at the Carlisle, it really is going to be like that because people are right there and I, I love it. Now, do you write your material? I mean, now oh, yeah. that you've become a legit performer, or does it just happen? Oh, no. I write it. I write it. It's, I do it all. Write it, and, you know, I'm working on my performance and acting skills. And acting's and, hard, right? It isn't just like getting up there and saying hello. It, yes. It definitely takes a certain kind of concentration. Mm -hmm. Which you've got. I'm talking to Candace and Bushnell. She's going to be at the Carlisle May 10th through the 14th. Now, when my kids were in school and I was still fairly young, 54, Studio 54 was where it was at. Is there a new Studio 54? Like, do you hang out at any places with your pals or that doesn't exist anymore? It definitely does, but I, I have, I've gone to a couple of places. I've gone to a couple of places. They, they tend to be lounges where people Oppose. will dance. Oh, and then you're kidding. Supposedly right. there's a disco. I think it may be called Neptune or Elysium, uh -huh. which I was thinking about checking out, but I don't know. I mean, the problem with all these clubs is that they're so late at night. I know, and that's changed a lot. And that is something that has changed. I, you know, I, I don't know I if know. I really want to be going out at 11 o'clock at night. And yeah, or acting like as if you're on the hunt. in my house. <laughs> which which is okay. And by the way, which you know, the bar at the Cafe Carlisle, aside from where you're entertaining, both the cabaret room, the bar has become the hot bar in New York City. Oh, yeah. And it was, right? And it was always sort of fuddy-duddy, but we loved it. But now it's like it. People, I was there across the street. I saw a line and I said to the doorman at the hotel across the street, what's that? He said they're waiting to get into the bar at the Carlisle. Yes, it's definitely the place to go. All right. So, so in between your act, you never know who you're going to meet, Candace. A new Prince Charming, right, could be waiting for you. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Well, I look forward to seeing you at the Carlisle. Continued success. I appreciate your coming to visit again. Oh, Joan, thank you so much. We'll talk soon. All the best. Talk soon. If, okay. I'm Joan bye -bye. Hammond with Candace. Bye-bye. With Candace Bushnell, who's going to be at the Carlisle May 10th through the 14th. She got great reviews with the first show. A whole new career for one of the really talented women. Stay tuned, everyone. Lots more here over ABC. The First Lady of New York Radio. This is Ask Joan. 
Like so many people, and judging from all of the questions I get, we all have, many of us, too much stuff. So we want to get rid of it. But who? The kids don't want it. Who's going to buy our stuff? Or maybe you want to give to your family, your friends, one of the children, a china set or stemware or silverware, but you're missing a few pieces. Help. What do you do? So here we are, and I've been telling you about one of my resources over the years called replacements.com, and they've been around for over 40 years, and here's their deal. They sell both new and discontinued china crystal glassware, silver flatware, plate, everything, collectibles, even antique jewelry. They have an inventory of more than 450 patterns and over 11 million pieces. So if you're missing a da- a glass, a dish, or you want to sell what you've got, they carry everything from high-end to corningware, vintage pieces to brand new. And they buy from thousands of people every year. So if you've got that, too much china, too much glassware, too much silver, and you want to find someone who will buy it, the kids don't want it, check them out. Go to their Sell to Us page on their website or call them at 800-REPLACE or 800-737-5223 and they'll let you know if they're currently buying what you want to sell. And if you don't know the patterns that they're offering, a free pattern identification service with a staff of full-time researchers will help you in identifying your pieces. So sell or buy, replacements.com may be the way to go. All right, guys, I'm looking at the clock, and we are coming up to the 3 o'clock. I thank you so much for joining the Joan Hamburg Show. Don't forget, we do this every Sunday starting at 2. Enjoy the week. See you next Sunday.